Well, hello there and good morning. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for waiting for me to get on and just hit the button. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Melvin Gaines. It is time for a live stream Sunday School here at Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Uh, we're here and we're ready to get going uh, with Sunday School today. We have a new uh, Sunday School session uh, to start out with, but in the meantime, we're going to play some music to allow people to get on with us. Uh, here is Walking Up the King's Highway by Loretta Oliver, and get ready, uh, because it's going to blow you away here. <laughs> so thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. And here comes Loretta Oliver right now. Good morning, Deneen. Thanks for being here. Florinda, good morning. Thanks for being here. Cindy Phillips, good morning. We're still on the air. <laughs> mm -hmm. Charles and Joanna, good morning. <laughs> Roscoe, good morning. for being here. Ronnie, good morning. How are you? Hey, Jackie, good morning. Thanks for being here. Lisa, good morning. <laughs> Double cup of coffee? <laughs> Double fisted. I got one. It's hard to get up some mornings, isn't it? Especially when it's cold outside. Oh, I think I'll just roll over. I couldn't roll over this morning. I had to get up. <laughs> Good morning, Bev. Okay, Jackie, take care of yourself. God bless you. Gotta go. Keep drinking coffee. 
Come back and visit us online later. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get started here. There's a lot of people in that room. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I mean, there's a lot of people in that room there. It's like, whoo. I hope you're not claustrophobic. Uh, and heaven will be well. It'll be different then. You won't you won't deal with these aches and pains or issues that we have on on earth here. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. That was um, oh, I, I I raced it by accident. Who that was? That was the um, I, I can find it. I got it right here. Walking up the King's Highway by Loretta Oliver. Thank you again, Arlen, for the selection. Uh, we managed to stay on the air today. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I it's just a weird thing. Um, when I got on Facebook this morning, it had a whole different interface. I had to go and find the Akron Alliance page and everything. It was really just very disconcerting. But that's that's how it goes, I suppose. We'd make do, and we get we get past it. Okay. Um, today is going to be um, a relatively brief Sunday school, I believe, only because I'm, I have to speak today. <laughs> I have to get down to church. So we want to make sure that we're taking as much time as we can with getting to church on time um, it's not a wedding but it is a, a preaching service and today we are also having off, uh, communion as well so we want to get all those things in and done uh, as quickly as possible for those of you who are not going to be going to church today we will be having a message available here online in the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline uh, it is love agape style let your light shine that's going to be following following us here uh, after Sunday school on the timeline and um, it's a great message. We, you know, you get into February, we start talking about things like Valentine's Day and stuff like that. But now we're going to talk about the love that Jesus Christ has for us and how we should be emulating that love to others. And I think that that's really the most important part of the message um, that we will be taking part in today. And that will be uh, presented live and also online here on the timeline uh, after Sunday school. Please remember your tithes and offerings. Please remember those. We uh, suggest that you continue to uh, pray about what you should give and share as far as what you should, uh, what your contribution will be for church. We uh, appreciate everybody's efforts in prayer. We have been blessed as a church with our size to be able to do the things that we're doing, and we hope to continue to do those things. But always pray about what your contribution should be. And if you are mailing your tithes or offerings, please send them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road in Akron, Ohio, 44320. We um, appreciate your contribution for that as well, too. And I believe those are the most important announcements for today, other than just mentioning and reminding everybody, too, that we will have communion today. It is first Sunday. So hopefully you'll be available and do that. And we do have the, the protocols for COVID are still in place. They have not been released yet. We are strongly encouraging you to stay home if you don't feel well and, and make sure that you just rest up. Um, the temperature today is actually going to get above freezing for the first time in a while, which is really nice. But it's still going to be but watch for ice. And it's still going to be very windy because there's wind chills out there of about 3 degrees or 5 degrees, depending upon where you are, because there's a pretty steady wind outside. So bundle up when you're coming out, amen? That's the most important thing, and just be careful as you move about. 
Okay, let's go ahead and get started with Sunday School. We have a new Sunday School lesson that we are going to be taking part in today. One thing that I do want to emphasize before we get into Sunday School, it's going to be important for you in, in many ways here to uh, have some notes, uh, take notes. We, we certainly want to encourage people to take notes because we want to be able to refer back to what's being said. It's I don't want it to get lost in the ether, certain comments or certain points that are being made. Uh, because of the type of survey we're taking, is we're calling it a survey of biblical inerrancy. Biblical inerrancy, and that's the subject matter. So taking notes is going to be important, and we have the benefit, obviously, if the uh, video uh, uh, gets uploaded and everything is great, you can always go back and refer to information. That's the great thing about being online and doing this and having it recorded. But we encourage you to <clears throat> take notes and, you know what, do your own research as well, too, on when you're offline, because this is an important subject. We want to look at biblical inerrancy and look at the importance of it, especially when it comes to your faith and challenges to your faith. We, we have seen, uh, without getting into a whole diatribe about it right now, and, and maybe, maybe better if I just pray and, and we can get started and we can get into the diatribe after that. I think that's the most important thing. So let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Amen? Father, thank you for this time that you have set aside for us to sit quietly now and hear you speak to us through none other than the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, the words that are being used are not going to be my words, but your words, because uh, I, too, am going to be sitting and learning from the Spirit as I present the information. And so it's going to be something that we all will learn with about together and allow the Spirit to speak to us as we move forward. We thank you for your, your loving kindness. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your wisdom and knowledge. Lord, we pray that you help each and every one of us who is here online to be able to understand your words. And we thank you and give you praise for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So normally I tell you to turn your Bibles and electronic devices. I, I will do that in a moment. But let's get into what this lesson is all about. This is about uh, we're taking a survey, and I call it a survey of biblical inerrancy, a survey because we're going to be looking at different points of view, different ways of looking at this from the standpoint of different writers, different people who have provided input. I'm very happy to have used resources um, such as John MacArthur uh, at Ligonier and Bible.org and um, OpenBible.info, which is uh, where Bible verses come from as well, too. I do encourage you to take notes, and if there's anything that you missed, don't worry about it. You can always come back and look over it again, too. But just pray that the Spirit uh, provides wisdom as we go forward here. So, first of all, it's very important whenever we're doing a study of about a, diff a different topic or a new topic that we look at definitions uh, pertaining to uh, the topic at, at hand in order to have the greatest understanding of what we're doing. And we need to understand that this subject of biblical inerrancy is not a brand new subject. It's more of a modern day issue, but we're, we're going to look at this for what it stands for as far as the definitions now. So let's start with the definitions for the premise of this study to understand exactly what biblical inerrancy is. So let's look at the word inerrancy. <clears throat> inerrancy. Uh, I-N-E-R-R-A-N-C-Y. Inerrancy. 
Um, that is a word where it's a noun, and the, the definition of the word is freedom from error or untruths. Freedom from error or untruths, infallibility, exemption from error. So there's, that's a very clear definition of what infallibility is. So what we're going to be referring to is now the inerrancy of Scripture and inerrancy of the Bible, where there have been a lot of people who have criticized that the Bible is, is not accurate. <clears throat> it's not anything other than people who have written it over the course of time, supposedly, and they're just writing stories, and it's not based upon anything other than personal thought. Well, Satan wants people to be confused about what the Bible is. The Bible is the prime authority that all churches should be looking to, and that is always what it should be. And the moment you see a church not doing that or not looking to the Bible as an authority, it's time to get up and leave. That is essentially the best way to put it. I, I don't know any other way to put it. The Bible is the ultimate authority. Let's look at the word infallible because that's a descriptive word. It's an adjective. I mentioned the word infallible in the definition. Uh, incapable of erring incapable of falling, certain, incapable of error in expounding doctrine on faith or morals. Now, these are definitions from the dictionary of these words. So, we're, we're talking about basically making the statement that the scripture that we look at, the Bible that we look at, is without error. There's the premise is that it has no untruths to it. <clears throat> Now, and we need to clarify something as we do this, too. <clears throat> it does not mean that there have never been mistakes made when it comes to Scripture, but we have to go back to the source. We're saying that God is the one who is the source, and there have been, uh, over the years, errors in copying or errors in maybe someone expounding upon Scripture. I think we mentioned that uh, the other uh, week, uh, about a couple weeks ago, in Acts chapter 8, verse 37, where... There was actually a verse that was added in, uh, in addition to the original text, that tried to give context when uh, Philip was speaking to the eunuch about uh, being saved. And, and so it was added as a matter of clarity for the reader, which ultimately was not uh, such an egregious thing that it was, it was a terrible thing. But many modern translations have taken Acts 8.37 out of the text, and they make a footnote that it was removed from the text. And why? Because these new translations, um, New Living Translation, uh, Christian Standard Bible, they are basically are going back and saying that was not the original text. The original text is what we're going back to and looking at. It was not in there. So we have to recognize that the integrity of the text will be maintained as we have people look at it, examine it. This is an ongoing process when, we, when it comes to looking at some of these new translations that come out. That's a very, very important thing for us to see. And I, and I want you to understand that, like I said, Acts 8.37 was added for context for the purpose of understanding what Philip was doing when he was speaking to the eunuch about being baptized. He was communicating about what do you have to do to get saved, basically. They're like, why should I go any further? That's what the eunuch was saying, right? Let's get, you know, let's get baptized. So it was added, essentially, I believe, to convey to people that you don't just get baptized to get saved. Now, and that's going to be the, the heart of what we're going to talk about later on here. 
uh, because that's what we're going to be looking at when we look at how far this goes back when we look at the topic of biblical inerrancy and what it refers to. So I promised to mention that uh, about Acts 837. I'm glad I did. So, But let's, let's go a little bit further here. First of all, let's, let's look at sola scriptura. That's something that uh, sola scriptura is S-O-L-A and then scriptura uh, as a, a Latin phrase that is being referred to here. And when we want to look at the authenticity of scripture, we go back to the words sola scriptura, which is a reformation. Uh, this goes back to the Protestant Reformation. Uh, when Martin Luther was making the declaration as a way to break away from the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church at that time, and I'm just going by historical factors, so those of you in the audience who are Catholic, uh, you have to understand there's nothing against Catholics or anything like that, but the reality is is that there was a concern that the integrity uh, of the scriptures were being compromised because of practices at that time and teachings in the Roman Catholic, Roman Catholic Church uh, in the 16th century. That's how far back this goes. And I love John MacArthur when he uses the word sola scriptura and tries to give it a definition. Let's take a look at that and let's look at it more closely. But in the meantime, before I jump ahead here, please go to 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. This is the challenge of teaching this class because... There's so much to look at here, and there's so much to take in. And as you go forward, you just don't want to leave something out that's important. Sola Scriptura, and we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And, and we're going to talk about some facts about this, too, when it talks about biblical inerrancy. Um, I'm not here, first of all, to convince you <laughs> that the Bible is, is without error. Uh, or inerrant, has inerrancy. And I'm talking about the actual context of the Bible, not a verse here, a verse there, things that need to be cleaned up when people review it and compare it to the original uh, texts that were put forth. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 gives you the context for all this entire class. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now that's verses 16 and 17 in 2 Timothy 3. The whole purpose of this is that we are trusting that the words that we are being taught in Scripture are words that are coming directly from God. Directly from God. That is what we need to understand. Even though scribes took it down, they recorded it, it was given out, um, Paul and Peter and all those who wrote um, books in the Bible, it's all scripture that is being given to them or information given to them by directly by God himself. God breathed means he is the one who formulated. As we get further into the study, we'll see that over and over again. We're going to see that declared in the word many, many times. And there are going to be people who are going to argue with you about that. It's like, well, who is God? God is the one who is the one who put forth this information. And so we need to understand that. Okay, sorry for jumping a little bit. Let's get back to Sola Scriptura. Um, John MacArthur mentions that the Reformation principle, this is started back, this Sola Scriptura came from the Reformation, 
uh, when Martin Luther made a declaration, and he mentioned the five solas. I don't have time to get into all the five solas in detail, but sola scriptura is the most important one. It's the first one. It has to do with the sufficiency of scripture as our supreme authority in all spiritual matters. At the end of the day, it goes back to the Bible being our supreme authority. Does the Bible talk about every subject known to man? No. Does the Bible give us information that is helpful in just about every situation? Absolutely. And that's what we have to go back to, is that the, the Scripture is the foundation of what we're talking about. As Christians, whenever we are going through giving someone advice or, or talking to someone or helping someone along, someone along, Scripture should be the foundational approach in all discussions like this. We have to make that definitive choice in the world that we just don't act and just shoot things out of our mouth um, without any uh, reasoning or foundation. It has to be our supreme authority. That is what uh, sola scriptura represents. It means that all truth necessary for our salvation and spiritual life is taught either explicitly or implicitly in scripture. Which means that Martin Luther had a, an issue with how the Catholic Church was treating salvation. It was not being taught properly. It was not being taught correctly. There were many, many aspects of having to do work that were being infused into the dialogue in the church. And remember, the Catholic Church at that time was the church. That was the only church. And so when we talk about the Protestant Reformation... That means that there was a reform taking place. There were Protestants who were breaking away from the Catholic Church because they weren't teaching properly. But Sola Scriptura was referring specifically to um, teaching salvation truth, truth about salvation, and how to live as a believer. And that was the most important thing about going back to the Scriptures. <clears throat> sola Scriptura is the Latin from the Latin sola, having the idea of alone ground, base, foundation, get it? And the word scriptura means writings. So referring to the scriptures, sola scriptura means that the scripture alone is authoritative for the faith and practice of the Christian, period. That's what we have to look at here. The Bible is complete, authoritative, and true. And that's where we get back to that verse about all scripture being breathed out by God. God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So now we have the foundation of uh, what we're going to be talking about in detail when it comes to Scripture. And another interesting point, too, there are some things in Scripture that are where, where um, the Bible is silent. But that doesn't diminish in any way, shape, or form the authority of Scripture. Sola Scriptura still maintains the fact that we still have a Bible that gives us guidelines for living. Even if the Bible does not talk about it or mention it, it doesn't mention anything like, for example, about DNA, or it doesn't give you any information about things of modern times sometimes. But we know that the way the Bible is written, everything that we read in Scripture can be applied to today if we just let the Spirit do the teaching. The Spirit is the one who does the teaching for all of us. So I hope that you can appreciate that and see that. And just to make sure that we're covering, uh, you can do research on your own, too, about the, the five solas of the Reformation. This is something that goes back to Martin Luther time, and there are five solas. 
course, we know about sola scriptura. The Bible alone is the final authority. There's sola Christus, Christ alone in his perfect life and atoning death um, in the sinner's place is the basis for our acceptance by God. Jesus Christ alone. Then we have sola gratia, G-R-A-T-I-A, the grace of God alone in Christ, not the works of human merit or effort is why God saves sinners. Remember, this is all being used to combat the teachings of the Catholic Church. Sola fide. Faith alone is the means by which sinners receive or appropriate this grace of God. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone belongs the glory for saving sinners and for everything else in this life and the life to come. We've seen the words Gloria, Gloria in Scripture as well, too. That's to God be the glory. So that's the premise of all of this uh, to set up what we're talking about. This whole idea of biblical inerrancy, we wanted to maintain the integrity of Scripture, whereas at that time in the, in the Catholic Church, they were, there was a danger that was taking place back then that unless Scripture was being taught, the doctor, doctrines were being taught correctly according to Scripture, then the Christian Church would be overthrown. They would be, it, would be, uh, it wouldn't stand. And honestly, if you're not following what Scripture is saying, God has you know, not allowed that, those things to stand over time. So we need to understand that when people were de- deviating away from the Word, that's what happens. There's so much involved there. I, I hate to even get into it a little bit because it can just cause some confusion. But I want you to see the importance of this when we look at where Scripture is and how we're referring to it. Take a look at something else, too. Let's turn your Bibles to Second Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter 1. Let me get back to my Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1. And by the way, I determined too, just this morning, I think it's going to be good for us to uh, eventually uh, get into Bible studies and, and get into some of the books after James. I kind of stopped at James, but 1 Peter, 2 Peter, they're pretty loaded too. <laughs> so we'll be getting into those as well. But look at 2 Peter 1. I want you to look at verses 20 and 21. And this is Peter writing. And he is stating, making a statement here that we recognize that, it, uh, again, that Scripture is not just born out of what people say. It's but what, by what God is saying and what God is sharing with those people who are recording it, writing it down, and sharing it. The original manuscripts were made up of that, of course. Second Peter 1, verse 20. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Think about that for a moment. Not from the prophet's own understanding. They're just re- they're recording what God is sharing with them. Verse 21, or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Now here Peter makes it very clear that Scripture is indeed God-breathed. It's not just something that comes from someone's own personal opinion or writing. Even though you may have a personal opinion, I'd be foolish if I didn't listen to what God was saying and write down what his account is. Because, remember, we're reminded of something very important. We all have our ways of understanding things, human understanding, okay? And ultimately what it comes down to is that we form opinions, we form biases, um, you know, things that we recognize, there are things that we want to participate in, things that we don't want to participate in. 
God reminds us over and over again, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And for us to counter his way of thinking or counter his thoughts um, would be contradictive as far as our importance of following the Lord. That's about being in his will, isn't it? We have to be in his will. And so when he says my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts, it doesn't mean that you can't think. It doesn't mean he, we are all created to be independent thinkers. We are all uh, make decisions on our own. And, and we have to decide as people if we want to believe what the Bible tells us or not. You know, there are some things that come right down to where you ask somebody about what is biblical inerrancy, they won't be able to tell you. But when it comes right down to what Scripture says, they do know what right and wrong is, and they do know what morals are, and they do know what the, the correct thing is to do, but they choose not to do it. That's the independent thinker in us, isn't it? We make a choice in the flesh to do things that are contrary to what Scripture says, and it's not about biblical inerrancy. It's about because we just don't want to believe it. So I think it comes down to, oh, this is a way for us to reinforce our faith. And when we're challenged with our faith, um, we need to go back and just make sure that we're testing it out. i got to find it now. Second uh, Corinthians... Is it five? Let's see if I can find it. Um, I want to make sure I've got it here. It was a thing that was. It was a thing that John MacArthur mentioned this morning. I see the second ticket five, or I got it backwards and got it thirteen. But I thought it's thirteen. Um, thirteen five. Go to Second Corinthians thirteen five. I, he mentioned it this morning on his broadcast, but it is so appropriate for all of us. As we look at this study and look at scripture in general and look at why it's important for us to recognize that the Bible is truth, we have to examine ourselves. We have to look at our own faith. We have to look at where we are and how strong our faith is. Our faith is always going to be challenged. We, we go through challenges. My wife and I, we've, go through, we've gone through faith challenges, um, especially more recently over the last few few weeks or so, a lot of faith challenges where... Not that it means we're like wavering and about to, you know, bomb out or anything like that. But we have to, <laughs> well, we have to clarify that people don't want. I don't want people work, you know, freaking out about that. We're fine, but we're all we all face faith challenges at some point, at some time, based upon circumstances, based upon simple things like going out in the, in the snow and the ice, making sure that we don't fall and hit our heads. You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. These are all things that we have to reckon with. But look what it says in 2 Corinthians 13.5, because this is appropriate for all of us. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. And look at what it says in verse 6. I'm going to add that because we are looking at also what is the authority that we're looking to here. And who is the authority? The authority is Jesus Christ. And the authority is his living word, his spoken word, his word presented through the Bible. Verse 6, as you test yourselves, I hope you will recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. In other words, we know exactly where we should be going. We know exactly who we put our faith in. We know we put faith in God's word, his living word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This scripture, the Bible, is God's living word. From the very beginning, 
and it's always been there but now it had to be recorded for the benefit of those of us who are wanting to know more about God that we can study God that we can learn more about God we can read scripture and I love how scripture truly is a living word because the Holy Spirit gives it the life that we give it as far as greater understanding the Spirit gives it the life that's necessary for us to understand it because without that it's just words on paper we have to have faith that goes back and supports all of that and Take a look, look at another passage, too. Um, Proverbs 30. Go to Proverbs 30. There are scriptures, of course, all over the Bible that talk about and imply uh, the importance of scripture and being inerrant and being our foundation and what we're doing. Proverbs 30, verse 5. This is the English Standard Version. Every word of God proves true. Now... I'm going to stop there for a moment. Every word of God proves true. So what we need to understand here is that one of the things that should be bolstering our faith when it comes to Scripture is that God has spoken and many things happen as a result of his spoken word. The word declared in Scripture, every word of God proves true, and that's going to improve, includes today and in the future when we talk about what we have because of our salvation in Jesus Christ, we have a place prepared for us, a place to look forward to. And look what it says in the second part of the verse. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Have you ever found how when you read scripture, for those of you who are faithful and looking for faith or looking for a boost of some sort, how God provides that boost, provides that refuge, provides that safety, gives you comfort, and he gives you comfort under the most sometimes unbelievable circumstances, circumstances where you shouldn't be comforted at all, and yet Jesus steps up and gives you comfort in the midst of a difficult situation. How are we able to bear some of the things that we go through in life, but if it were not for Jesus Christ, we couldn't do any of this, this, these things. And so we need to understand the importance of that. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. But I like the first part of that. Every word of God proves true. And we need to look at another thing, too. God doesn't lie. If we, if we have a God who lies, which is outside of his character, is not his character, then how can we rely upon Scripture at all, right? So we've got Scriptures that talk about how God doesn't lie. There are two passages I want to look at here, too. Yes. So, go to Hebrews 6.18. Back. And go back again. Hebrews 6.18. As we get to know God more and more, we look at God's character. We have different examples of God's character. And we understand that he is not a God who lies. He tells the truth. He is only rooted in truth. That is what we rely upon if we are not rooted in truth in Scripture, there's no sense in having the study. There's no sense in talking about it because if truth is not the foundation of who God is, who is the orchestrator of these words, then there's no sense in doing a study about biblical inerrancy because, um, you know, it's not like God's going to be coming up and it's like, fooled you or, you know, April fools or tell you jokes like that. Nothing, nothing of the sort, right? He is talking about truth. So let's, let's look at what it says here. Oh, 
You know what? I'm going to bump back. Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. My, my lovely bride put in verse 18. That's okay. We can, you can still bump back. Bump back to verse 13. I'm going to take it all the way down. Verse 18 is the foundation of it, and you, you can see it on the screen for those of you who are looking at it. But start with verse 13. I'm going to take you all the way down um, to verse 19. So we're going to look at verses 13 through 19. And I, I apologize for jumping there a little bit, but you have to understand this is a fluid thing here. <laughs> it's fluid. <laughs> Starting with verse 13 in Hebrews chapter 6. This is the New Living Translation. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by. God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Now, this was a, this was a statement that was being made in the, in the past, or obviously where it's a prediction that this is going to happen in the future for Abraham. But God taking an oath... Uh, making a statement like this. And look at verse 15. And Abraham waited patiently and received what God had promised. See? Waited patiently. Because the timing had to be according to God's timing that all this would take place. And verse 16. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. Verse 17. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have greater, great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And then verse 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Where do we go to get rest? It's in the word of the Lord. A strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Wow. That's a powerful statement right there. And it's about remembering and recognizing that this word that we're relying upon uh, it is going to be certain this is how we can have confidence in who god is this is how we can have confidence in who jesus christ is and who he represents for us as a measure of our salvation and what he did for us on the cross these are all promises that god has made and he is going to keep because he doesn't lie um and there was one more but let me make sure that i'm looking at the correct thing before i give it to you um I don't, I don't want my lovely bride chasing around passages here. So, yeah, go to Titus chapter 1. Titus 1. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. 1 and 2. Titus 1, verses 1 and 2. And again, we're just setting the stage for this study. Amen? We have to kind of set the stage for it because we want to try to address issues about Scripture and give greater understanding and to reinforce each and every one of us. This sola scriptura, it's, it's about um, his word alone. He's the one who's uh, giving you the foundation about Scripture is authoritative, and so we want to start from here. 
Titus 1, verses 1 and 2. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. Verse 2. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life. Confidence that they have eternal life. Do you have confidence about this? Which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began? This is a very clear statement from Paul to each and every one of us about our salvation. It is pure, it is true, and we are to live in confidence that we have this. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not going to scuffle with our faith. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with our faith because we're in the flesh. But when we struggle with our faith, what do we need to do? We need to go right back to God. We need to go right back to his word. We need to go to him in prayer. We need to ask for a strengthening of faith. Uh, Lord, help my faith. Amen. I mean, when my faith is when my faith is weak, Lord, help me with it. That's what we should be doing. And that's what we should always be seeking after. And this thing about biblical inerrancy, there are people out there, I'm sure, who would never need to go through a study like this and say, well, you know what? The Bible is true. And you know why? The Spirit reveals it to them. And that's what needs to be what we need to understand here. The Spirit reveals to us that what we are reading and studying is true. He has to be the one to give us this insight. Our human reasoning and understanding, we will wrestle with Scripture, and it's okay to wrestle with it. It's okay to kind of wrestle with God about stuff. And and some of us have wrestled with God about different things because that's actually a healthy thing to do. You should be asking questions about Scripture, but you're also at the same time looking for insight from God and, and reasoning and understanding as to what you've been reading and helping him to understand greater. Remember the disciples, you had your Johns, you had your yeah. Peters, you had your Thomas. That's right. John and Thomas and Peter. Peter. They were all different personalities, right? They all had different approaches to who Jesus was. And it's not like, it didn't mean that uh, that uh, Thomas was a weak person. He just was a different, had processed information differently based upon what he was shown. We're all like that. So Thomas made a declaration saying, unless I see what happened to you, the wounds, I, I'm, I'll, you know, I, I'll believe then. Well, we all process things differently. We all, li- we all learn and acquire information differently. And guess what? The Spirit knows that too. The Spirit knows exactly where you are when it comes to where you're learning about who Jesus is. So I hope you can appreciate this, this study for what it's going to be about. I want you to think about what's happening when we look at this passage, these passages here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 is also a pretty good passage. And this is Jesus speaking. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When did he say that? He said that when he was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. He's giving information. He is relying upon scripture. He's relying upon his own word to help him to deal with the temptation of Satan. How about that? What what an important thing for us to see here. Um, if Jesus himself thinks that scripture is important for us to refer back to, guess what? It's important for us as well. So I hope that you can see that for what it really is, and I hope that you can appreciate that as we get further into the study. Now, I want you to know there are many more passages we'll be getting into 
but we're going to get into this thing where we're going to be kind of like backing into, as we do this survey, data and information about God's revelation and how this word was passed on to us and how important it is for us to understand the process of understanding how we have our Bibles today from when that moment when God was giving us this revelation back in time and how we got to where we are today. And so that we'll be getting into more probably beginning next week because I think that there's so much to see there. And um, we were reminded again about how God's word stands forever. This word was in existence from the very beginning. A couple more passages before we get out of here. Um, First of all, go to Isaiah 48. Isaiah 40, verse 8. Isaiah 40, verse 8. And we talk about how the word... Let's, let's start with the fact the word is eternal. The word is always going to be with us. The word is always going to be present. And the word that we have right now in our Bibles, we have, the, we have the blessing, we have the privilege of having God's word right here in front of us, and it's an eternal word. Isaiah 48, 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now, that's a matter of believing, isn't it? He's saying his word is going to stand forever. And I believe it's going to stand forever because I believe with all my heart that if we go back to John 1, 1, the word of God was with Jesus Christ. He is the living word. He is the example of the living word for all of us. And one more, Matthew 24, verse 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words, meaning the words of Jesus, words of God, will not pass away. Heaven and earth, the word is going to survive beyond our understanding of heaven and earth. Because there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that we're going to be going to, first of all. The heaven and earth that we were referring to, or that we talk about, or we mention casually, is going to be completely different than the heaven and earth that we go to uh, when, we, 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 when we are with Jesus Christ um, after his return and eternity, okay? So these are all things we need to keep in mind as we look at this study. I ask that you pray about it as well, too, because we need to go back and make sure that we understand that all truth necessary for salvation and spiritual life is taught either explicitly or implicitly in Scripture, in the Bible. Those are John MacArthur's words. It's, it's either taught explicitly or implicitly, which means it's all in there. It's just a matter now of us getting exposed to it and really uh, understanding the importance of that the Bible, the authority that we're looking at, is the authority. It is our authority. It's all of our authority. But we have to choose to make it our authority. Amen? We have to choose to recognize the Bible for what it really is and what it truly is. And And... I know that there are many people who struggle with this, and it's because they're listening to a lot of noise on the outside. A lot of noise on the outside will try to tell you that, well, there's all these different ways to get to heaven, or all these different ways to assume a path of uh, an ascension, um, the shift is coming, all these weird words that are being used that supposedly are referring to Jesus' return, but in, in many ways is not quite that at all. It's something totally different. 
getting into a higher plane. Uh, I've, I've seen this stuff all the time. 5D, whatever the heck that is. I don't even know what that is. The fifth dimension. Like it's not, not the fifth dimension, the music <laughs> group. The fifth dimension, um, when it comes to uh, understanding, having a higher way of understanding, it's honestly, the way of understanding comes from the power of the Holy Spirit through the, the living word, the word we read and study, the teachings that we get. Yeah, you probably wonder where have I been hanging out at, right? I haven't been hanging out anywhere. You just see stuff as you pass by, and you just shake your head, and you keep looking, and just move forward. I go right back to the Word of God. Um, a lot of people have challenged. One more thing, and I'll, and I'll just say this before I close out. A lot of people have made statements, and I say a lot of people, a few people, have made statements that the Word has been altered over the years. The Word has been compromised. It was not the original intent of, the, of God to say what he's saying right now. Um, no God is a God. The God is not a God of punishment or that type of thing. Uh, this is so, um, it's wrong. It's just, it's so outside of, it's out of bounds. And we need to understand that a lot of people have been confused by words like that. It's just so wrong to do something like that. We have to trust that God knows exactly what he is doing and always has known what he's doing. We're not dealing with a God who is a lesser God who has no control over his word. He has complete control over his word. He has not allowed his word to be altered. His word it remains true to the original manuscripts as they were recorded. And that's what we're going to look at in greater detail. And I'm trusting that uh, these challenges that come out uh, do not in any way make, uh, make you waver or lack confidence in the word that you're reading here. Trust in what God is teaching. God is teaching truth. He is teaching us truth for our benefit. He does not lie. We are to move forward in confidence and trusting in his word. We'll get into that further as we get more into the study. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to look to your word. Look to your word as truth. Look to your word as strength. Look to your word as foundational. Look to your word as the direction we always need to go to when we are looking for wisdom and knowledge. Lord, we know that the word that we read and study does not cover everything that we have been exposed to, but we know that the foundation is there, the principle is there, that we need to go back simply to you and pray for wisdom and knowledge and insight as we learn more about what you're trying to teach us, what you're trying to reveal to us, Lord, we just thank you for the way that you give us discernment. Discernment in looking at what truth is. And we know that without the Spirit, we could not understand your word the way we need to. We thank you for your promises, and we thank you for your very presence in this area. Lord, we pray that as we go forward in this study, we continue to seek after you and look for wisdom and knowledge. Bless us and keep us, Lord, and we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks everyone for being here for this first lesson of a survey of biblical inerrancy. I pray that uh, it is going to be valuable for you and that it's going to be uh, a wondrous study. I'm praying for the same for myself. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it too. You guys take care of yourselves. Uh, I will see you down at church in Akron for those of you who are going to be going there. Stay tuned online for the message today, Love Agape Style. Amen. Uh, take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.